it's Easter, Dr. Susan, and this is where my first question is coming from. It's Easter, and we love Easter because we just talked about that. It's, it's spring. Uh, it's it's a new, you know. It's and, and especially for now, it's it's shimmering with hope for newness. <laughs> yes, shimmering with hope. I, I I like the way you say that. Yes, even though there's still some snow in my front yard, um, most of it is gone. So yes. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Little. And Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, and this is the Purr Podcast, and we're so happy to be back in the ether. Yes, back. Dr. Susan. We're like a, you know, they that saying that a, a bad penny always comes back, which, you know, when you think of it, I wonder where that saying comes from. A bad penny always comes back. Yeah, there's, there's, okay. a, there's a quote about a bad pennies always turn. I'm going to Google it while we talk. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just Googling a bad penny, what happens. <laughs> a bad penny is some as a person or sometimes a thing that's unwelcome, someone or something that appears recurringly, seemingly because fate is taunting you. There you go. See? The yeah. presence of a bad penny is a personal vexation. A personal <laughs> There we go. We are personal vexations. I like that better. Yeah. So, but it doesn't say where it came from. Yeah. Um, but uh, why? Why is it a penny? Yeah, but probably it, it was a long time ago. So a penny I'm was still. Sure. Yeah. You know. Well, maybe it. You know, maybe the expression came during a time when money wasn't all, when, when there was a lot of counterfeit money. I bet you that's what it's about. It might be. So. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if anybody knows that answer from our wonderful listeners, please uh, send us a message or uh, put it in uh, in one of our social media channels. Yeah. So we can learn something. Yeah. We're here all to learn. We're here all to learn. And Dr. Susan, so um, we don't have a guest uh, uh, today. So that is really cool because we're talking to each other. Yeah. And uh, and we don't do that enough in, no, in this this COVID crisis. And uh, I was once again, I want to tell everybody that's listening, thank you for your amazing work throughout this year. It has been very tough for everybody, uh, especially the people on the front line. And, uh, and we can't say it enough. Thank you for the wonderful work you do for our pets. Yes. And in, in many places, um, like my city, its situation is going to get worse before it gets better. So we're, we're not over. We're not through it yet. But there nope. is hope on the horizon. We just have to hopefully Hang yes hopefully yeah. who would have known that a little coronavirus could do this but we oh, probably all knew but all the veterinarians knew or, yes. would, or, or would have guessed let's put it that way yes, yes, yes. We're, we're all waiting for that so um it's easter dr susan and this is where my first question is coming from it's easter and we love easter because we just talked about that it's it's spring uh, it's it's a new you know it's and, and especially for now it's it's shimmering with hope for newness <laughs> yes shimmering with hope I, I I like the way you say that yes even though there's still some snow in my front yard um, most of it is gone so yes 
it yes right. yes yeah i i believe that i believe that that yeah. there's still snow in canada but because that doesn't stop until august isn't it <laughs> well we have had snow in in june yeah <laughs> <laughs> not commonly though yeah so uh, but uh, but easter is uh, a, a time for a celebration but there's also some things that we have to think about and i i just want to bring up uh, easter lilies and our feline friends yes. and so i would like to discuss a little bit so would, part of these two podcasts will be we're going to talk about some exciting new news uh, yeah. in, in some publications uh, and obviously we're going to talk uh, between us because we don't have an expert so it's just us uh, so don't take our words too seriously um, about uh, certain toxins for cats and the one that I would like to talk about is the lily mm. and the lily is a wonderful plant uh, I you know I went to my grocery store yesterday and the whole grocery store was plastered full of lilies so it's a Easter plant everybody loves it etc but it is so poisonous. Yep. Yes, this, this is true. And it's it's um, worthwhile around this time of the year, always reminding uh, people just how toxic lilies are to cats, not, not to dogs, mm -hmm. but they are extremely toxic to cats to the point where even the pollen from a lily can be toxic. Even the water in the flower vase, like if the cat laps or tries to drink some of the water that the lilies were in that's toxic even like part of a leaf is toxic so yeah and the, the mystery is we really don't know i don't think we know what the toxin is yet in uh in lilies but whatever it is it's bad yeah so so if i'm uh if i'm a veterinarian and i get a lily toxin cat in what should i do yeah um so the, the thing is Owners don't usually come in the door with their cat saying, you know, I saw my cat eat a piece of a lily and now he's sick. I, uh -huh. I, I still find that most owners don't know about this or a lot of owners don't know about it. So they just tend to bring in <clears throat> um, a cat that's not doing well. Often they're, they're, they're not eating, they're, they're vomiting. So they look like they have some, uh, often some gastrointestinal upset. But what's really happening is that um, the toxin is poisoning their kidneys. So you- It's a nephrotoxin. Yeah, it's a nephrotoxin. So, you, you know, we, we usually go through a bit of a process of elimination. So it, I think it just highlights for me that when you get um, an otherwise healthy cat in with sort of sudden onset of, of any clinical signs, you know, and in this case, they start by being GI signs, you need to be a really good detective right? Because I'm, I'm sure for most of us, the, the asking about exposure to lilies is not the first question, right? That we, we normally ask. All right. Or, although I have to say around this time, please do, because, yeah. you know, everybody has, gets these things because they're so beautiful. Um, and there's also a little bit of differentiation. So not every lily is as toxic. They are all toxic, but yeah, they're all pretty much more than others. Yeah. The ones that are known as Tiger Day, Asiatic Easter, Japanese show lilies, these are really, really yeah. toxic. And you only need a little bit. And like Dr. Susan says, I think they think it's water soluble. So anything mm -hmm. that is contains this, whatever it is, because we don't know what it is yet, 
um, it can be toxic. And they say, so how many leaves do you need to eat till? I think even part of a leaf will do it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. that's how toxic they are. So, yeah. so once, you know, once we figure out that the the, often when we get a patient like this, the first thing we realize is that they're in acute, they have acute kidney injury going on, right? And then hopefully at some point, you know, you start putting two and two together and talking to the owner and realize it's because of lilies. Um, there isn't a specific treatment because we don't know exactly what the toxin is. So we don't have an antidote. So um, I think a lot of these cats get recognized and treated without anybody knowing it was actually lilies that were the cause, right? So it's it's not that difficult to realize that they have an acute kidney injury going on. And of course, all you can do is, is treat them symptomatically. The problem with the lily toxicity though, is that treatment has to get started really quickly for the cat to have a good outcome. So, you know, if the owner delays, you know, to the next day, that might be too long and it might really worsen the prognosis for that cat. So a lot of veterinarians around Easter spend a lot of time, you know, on social media and on our websites and, and whatnot, um, alerting owners to the dangers of lilies. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. So, so once again, if you get a cat around this time with acute mm -hmm. renal failure or uh, the four signs that cats always show, yeah. uh, do some blood work, you know, yeah. Uh, you have a cat with vomiting, anorexia, depression, yeah. uh, and inappetence, um, then uh, and it might be a little bit dehydrated, then uh, do some blood work. And if the renal values are up, then you yeah. probably should start worrying. So do a really good history with the owner. Is there any lily in the house, anywhere, outside, whatever? Could yeah. the cat have gotten into it? Uh, and if the answer is is yes, then uh, probably you have to do a two prong attack. One is obviously if the, it's really recent, you need to get the stuff out as soon as possible. So one way, you know, activate a charcoal, uh, all the things, maybe vomiting, induce vomiting, get the stuff out in the stomach if it's still there. And then really your main therapy should be focused on saving the kidneys and we save the kidneys by giving fluids and yep. supporting them and we don't have a special medicine or antidote for this so you really need to pull them through it I, it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, antifreeze you know when yeah. you know, when they get to antifreeze i mean there's an antidote for that but if you uh, uh, the, the kidney support obviously is uh, is the main thing that you need to do and that's kind of the same here and the kidneys are amazing so mm. If they're not hit too hard, they probably will at least recover or, you know, hopefully you limit the damage to the kidneys. And you only need a little bit percentage of a kidney to be uh, still li a living creature. So that's mm -hmm. that's the balance that we have with two kidneys. But if you keep it untreated or you wait too long, then the kidneys are damaged forever. And, you know, we cannot replace a kidney that quickly or you have to do some major surgery. So, uh, so yeah. this is a, this is a big big thing. And um, so so you talked about the other species. Uh, if they eat a lily, what happens with them? I don't think much. I don't. Maybe it upsets their stomach, but they, it's not nephrotoxic in in other species. And I just I just want to. You made me think of a tip. So when we're talking um, to owners whose cats present, you know, with vomiting and inappetence and and whatnot, and we if we start to get suspicious about lilies. 
we, we'll usually just ask the owner if there's any flowers in the house because yeah. not everybody knows what a lily is or That's what a lily looks like right so and then um if the owner says yes we'll we'll see if they can send us a picture you know if they got a flower arrangement or a new plant or something we'll ask them to send us a picture because uh you know a, a lot of people understandably um, don't know the scientific names for plants yeah that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense by the way uh the d's get a little bit gastrointestinal upset. there you go <clears throat> and and it's interesting to to why is that difference that must be some kind of enzyme that cats have and other species don't or cats don't have and other mm. species do mm. uh, that 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 might be an issue here but nobody really found out what the the, yeah. the problem is so. and it works the other way around too right like our other companion animal species has toxicities that don't bother cats like xylitol the the sweetener that's a that's not a cat toxicity and what's the other oh grapes you know the grapes and raisins thing yeah yeah so we'll, we'll get there in a second you're already uh, going way ahead uh, oh, am I? I didn't the know. topic thank you very much but I, I just wanted to say that there are some really good resources and we put them in yeah. our notes hopefully uh yeah. when you have any toxicity and we should get one of those uh, we should get anna uh or, or maybe justine back one time to mm -hmm. talk a little bit about these poison hotlines that are there Yes. Uh, because uh, they they have been there for years and years and years supporting the veterinary profession uh, with any poison that you get. So if you have an animal that ate something and you're not sure about the something, what the something will do, you just call them and they, they're wonderful. They're so supportive. So uh, it's the pet poison helpline and the, what's the other one? I always forget, there's two. We'll put them in our show notes, yeah. SPCA or something like that, yep. Yeah, so this is really bad because I should know that, but I don't. Um, but uh, so let's talk because we were talking about a little bit of uh, other things. So I'm just going to uh, to mention some of the chocolate, chocolate and cats. Oh. It's yeah. an issue. It's an issue in who? Cats. Well, I guess it, it would be that the thing is, we just don't commonly see cats eat that much chocolate exactly so right. cats are very clever and Ooh. that's why we love them so they, if they see chocolate they probably will nibble on it and then they say hmm maybe not but a d yeah. is you know they're driven by other senses so <laughs> they will go for it yes yeah i think it's much much bigger issue with our uh, other common companion animal species so i suspect there are you know uh, a number of things that would be toxic to cats but they just don't commonly eat them you know they're a little bit more yeah. um picky i guess or careful yeah you're right because chocolate uh, is as dangerous for cats as for dogs i would think so yeah i don't yeah. think i've ever seen a cat with chocolate toxicity though because they just they don't eat enough of it i think yeah so i mean that might be it it might be not as appetizing for them yeah. and uh, chocolate contains methylxanthine and uh, so uh, has a lot of side effects in mainly the d word vomiting yeah. diarrhea uh, high temperature you know abnormal hair heart rhythm discomfort yeah. thirst seizures and uh, you know there's a there's you have to realize that these uh, these prod of these methylxanthines 
are also found in other products. So they are. It's it's a class of drugs in veterinary medicine. We some well, we used to more commonly and sometimes still do use as bronchodilators. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. That's right. true. Like aminophilin. Yep. Yep. So 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 things like. But of course, you know, you're using them in prudent doses, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you have your 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 hot chocolate from uh, Starbucks, you probably need to worry about that too. Or, uh, in in your case, Timmy's, uh, there might be <laughs> yeah. chocolate in there too. And then we all know that dark chocolate is worse than white chocolate because yeah. white chocolate hardly in, contains any chocolate. But unfortunately, uh, I don't think this is really a a feline problem. No. So let's talk about milk then. What about milk? Milk is not always good for cats. Oh, because of the lactose intolerance. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what is it with milk and cats? Well, I, you know, I, I think that as cats grow older, a lot of them no longer efficiently digest lactose, right? They, their yeah. lactase enzyme activity declines to some degree with age, because if you think about it from, I guess, mother nature's point of view, you need the ability to digest milk sugars like lactose when you're young and you're nursing. But when you're an adult, you don't really need them. So the, the enzyme activity tends to decrease um, with a, not, not in all, not in every cat, you know, of course it's not black or white thing. Yeah. Um, so there are some cats that uh, don't get gastrointestinal signs from dairy products, but uh, quite a few cats do and it might depend on the amount you know they might have a little bit of enzyme activity left so a little bit of milk or cheese is okay but you know so the, from the, the bigger point of view for me is that if you're offering your cat dairy products every day it's extra probably not needed calories mm. actually i think that's the bigger issue mm. yeah so it's a combination of uh, a calorie bomb and uh, mm. probably some intolerance here so yeah. it's 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 funny because you know, when I grew up, we always put a little saucer of milk outside. Yeah. Yes. I know. It's a really um, old idea, isn't it? Yeah. Just cats hanging around dairy barns, maybe. I don't know. But it's I don't know what it is, but. Yeah. Uh... yeah. All right. Let's switch to another one. Uh, grapes, raisins and cats. Ooh. There you go. You know, so I, I have to tell you, I, I honestly don't know if grapes and raisins are toxic to cats. They just don't normally eat them so and that's where i need to help you because a small amount of grapes and raisins can be very toxic for cats there you go yes yeah it causes renal failure so there they you don't go. have to 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 ingest that much um they just don't they have do this, the same four signs that we always see yeah um but uh, but okay. it, it, the funny thing is that we don't know why they cause it. It's the same yeah. thing again. So I think that we need to look into the grape raisin thing and then also into the lily thing. There must be something. I think it, yeah, I think it must be some enzyme that is either not working or working. But you maybe know, I'm I, making that up. I have to tell you that um, yesterday in passing, I saw something on social media. I yeah. think from Dr. Tina Wismer that she oh, cool. now has a good idea what the uh, toxic component is. Maybe we should get her on the show. Yes, yes. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. That's but kind you... of breaking news. And of course, do I remember what the toxic component is? No, <laughs> I don't. Okay, you but can I... look it up. And, so you didn't uh... know that Yola yeah. was going to 
bring up this topic. You know? Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. We bring up all the hot topics, but uh, we see uh, vomiting and hyperactivity in the beginning of, uh, uh, and so, so the, yeah. the but it, it's interesting because, you know, people are feeding their these grapes. They think it's funny because, you know, uh, and, uh, and so they might also feed them to cats. I know. I, I don't know why you would feed a cat a grape. I mean, it, yeah, I just, it, I don't it, think cats would normally not really eat them. So yeah, you know so that there's way more toxic foods and substances in dogs than in cats or, or, or we see it more often, right? Be, just because cats are, are much pickier eaters really. So yeah. Yes. So that's probably also won't eat garlic that much because it's also toxic, is it? Well, I don't like, you, you know, it depends on your definition of toxic. So here's another one that always gets me the idea that, you know, the poinsettia plant, that that's toxic for cats. Yeah. It depends on what your definition of toxicity is. So to me, something like lilies are toxic because yeah, it can kill you or at least seriously impair your life. Poinsettias can't kill cats and they won't seriously really impair their life. They're just going to give them some bad gastrointestinal upset. So yeah. I guess it depends on what your definition of toxicity is. Like anemia? Yes, but it's usually not. So you're, so that the, the garlic onion family, the anemia is usually mild and it's not life-threatening. And if you just stop, yeah, but it's still toxic. I mean, it's not good for you. It's I mean, that's the definition the right of toxic. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm not going to uh, look up the definition of toxic. And, and yeah, that's a that's a good thing to look up because it it really depends on how you're using the word, right? In, yeah. In so that. so the quality of being very harmful or unpleasant in a pervasive or insidious way. So I know, I know in um, toxicology though, they do have specific definitions for, uh, for toxicity. Um, and why do I know that? Because I just, within the last month or two, edited uh, a textbook chapter on it. you would, I knew, I right. made it right. I, and I remember thinking, oh, I didn't realize there was like specific definitions for these things. Yeah, it's, it sounds like that Dr. Susan and Dr. Yola urgently need a toxicologist on their show so to explain yeah. all these things to us because we're just rambling on about you know, things. We're just rambling we, don't, we don't really know what we're talking Easter about. Easter lilies and really what it's about that we have no clue what we're talking about. So, okay, so, so I, I just checked. So in the, uh, in the uh, toxicology chapter of the second edition of the cat which yeah, will cat. be out i don't know when but it's coming yeah. it says toxin refers to a poison from a biologic source so a yeah. poison right yes. um, the term toxicant t-o-x-i-c-a-n-t yeah. um, is an all-encompassing um term so toxicants don't have to come from a biologic source so they have very specific definitions for these things I love them. Yeah, I love I them for that. I think we need a toxicologist on board again to stop yes. us from rambling yes. on. Yes, no, I agree because we had Justine on. Did we talk we did. a lot about toxicology or was yeah. it about something else? We did. We did talk about toxicology. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. But yeah. uh, how quickly we forget. But I think we need to, I'd, I'll, I'll ask Anna if she wants to come on. She uh, She's wonderful to talk with and she runs one of the biggest uh, 
you know, toxic, toxic, no, no, hotlines in in uh, in the country. So yeah, that, that'd be that, great. that would be great. So yeah. uh, so we'll, let's get her on and uh, and talk about toxicology uh, a little bit uh, because it's I think it's very interesting and especially she probably has the hottest news too. So she probably knows. Yeah what little toxin we're looking for. Exactly. So if everybody knows the answer, send it into our uh, social media channels and uh, yeah. we'll be very interested in yours. So as a matter of fact, we're uh, already at the end of the first oh. uh, and we haven't even talked about the other things, but we'll do that next week. So Dr. Yeah. Susan, what are we going to talk about next week? Can, can, I, can I just mention something quickly before we- Of course. Thank you. So I just wanted to point out that um, coming out in the Journal of Feline Medicine and Surgery, uh, so it's, it's, um, it's in uh, uh, electronic release right now, not in yeah. the print journal yet, is an article on the safety and tolerability of uh, cannabinoid doses. Um, so I think it fits very well in this quick and inexpert discussion we've had on toxicology. Oh, we haven't yeah. talked about that yet. Yeah. Yeah, because there's been... Um, uh, a, a huge lack of evidence on safety and efficacy of the cannabinoid, the, the CBD uh, the stuff, yes, oils and so on um, in veterinary medicine, despite their widespread use. And so the first study done in cats um, has, uh, has just been published. And it wasn't about efficacy, it was about looking at safety and tolerability. Yeah. Um, and uh, they they discovered that um, of course it, it's all always depends on the dose. So they looked at several different doses and only saw very mild adverse um, effects in cats. You know and the common things like having an upset stomach, right, or being a bit lethargic. So uh, they did see some more concerning ones like uh, neurologic signs. In, uh, in certain products, because these products are not all equivalent. They, they have uh, different constituents. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so they, it doesn't really hurt, but do we know if it does good? We don't know yet. There's no studies on um, efficacy. So, but this is the way you should start. You should first find out if it's tolerable and if it's safe. Yeah. 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 So I just want to uh, give a shout out to um, the, uh, the people <clears throat> who did that study. So this was um, actually done by a company in Canada that is producing these products. So, and I think this is the type of thing that we're going to see. We, we'd always prefer sort of arm's length, right, type of, uh, of research, but it's, it's hard enough to get research done. So this is quite a nice study, I have to say. Huh. On, um, yeah, we should look at that. But it's it, that's supported by a company that makes the products. Yes, it is. And of course, that's always uh, disclosed. So you know, it doesn't mean we should discount the study no. by any means. We should evaluate it with the same um, stringent criteria we, we would evaluate any study. Totally agree. Yeah. That's a great way to end the show, there Dr. Susan. Okay. So Ooh. you are wonderful. Next if you, and, and I just want to say, if you like this show, uh, please give us a five-star yeah. a, a five <laughs> review. And uh, you can follow us on uh, perpodcast.net. Yes. Uh, we have a very loyal uh, following and thank you for that. Uh, you know, we're, like I said, we, we just celebrated our 100,000th download, uh, but uh, we're already at like 110. So it's going really fast. So it's, 
wonderful that you're all listening. Thank you so much for this. Hopefully this was a useful episode about talking a little bit about Easter toxins in uh, in cats. Yes. So uh, watch those cats with those chocolate eggs, the lilies and all the other all stuff. The lilies. Yeah. And we have a wonderful handle, Dr. Susan. Sorry. Yes. Just and, um, so our, our social media handle is at per podcast. And we do want you to stay uh, or check in on our next episode because we've got some updates. From yes. And we want you to stay safe and healthy and we'll talk to you in a week. Yes. Bye-bye. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSusan. Dr. Yurla Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at per podcast. 